Welcome to the show. I'm Dylan Tonkin. On today's episode, I'm going to talk about resupply boxes for long-distance hiking. Today's episode includes tips, tricks, and lessons learned from my 2018 Pacific Crest Trail thru-hike. Enjoy the show. Hi everyone, I want to go over my resupply strategy. I just got home about a month ago from my Pacific Crest Trail through hike and I did resupply boxes on the PCT and in 2016 whenever I did the Appalachian Trail during that through hike I resupplied in town. So the difference being, you know, I didn't have any boxes or food purchased ahead of time that I was having sent to me or sending myself during the AT. But I found that I didn't feel fully energized all the time. I was constantly tired. I wasn't making good choices in my resupply whenever I was buying in town on the Appalachian Trail. So uh, what I wanted to do for the PCT was purchase my food ahead of time or the majority of it ahead of time and have Elise send me packages while I was on trail with my food in it so I knew I was not going to fall into the trap of resupplying in town and picking gummy bears and honey buns versus some more uh, hiker-oriented or a little bit healthier choices. A lot of people were intimidated by this, and I was really intimidated by it before I started getting into it. I didn't really know where to start, um, and hopefully by listening to this podcast, you'll get a better insight on what it's like to resupply for a long-distance hiking trip. It doesn't have to be a thru-hike, um, but anything over you know a, a couple weeks, this is something I would highly recommend. So you'll see as I go through things, some of the things that worked for me and possibly will work for you. And then I'll talk about some of the struggles that we had and some of the things that I would do differently should I go this route again. And I only say that because I'm not sure where in the next 10 years my priorities lie as far as long-distance hiking, if I'm going to do the Continental Divide Trail or if I'm going to start branching out into different trails. Um, The Continental Divide Trail is 3,100 miles. It's That's a five-month hike for me, and uh, it's going to be getting harder for me to take that time away from home and away from my family. Um, So I'm not sure if the Triple Crown is in my future or not. It could be. It's not a priority right now, but I want to do this podcast because it's still fresh in my mind. And I know people coming up on the 2019 hiking season can definitely benefit from some of the things that I learned on trail and off trail since I've, I've been home. So the first thing that I really have to do is I have to give out uh, so many thank yous. The first thank you being obviously to Elise. Without Elise's help in all of this, it would not have happened. I would not have been able to spend four and a half months hiking from Mexico to California, and I only bought food in town probably three or four times, um, it was 
a burden that I didn't have to worry about whenever I got to town. I could just go and pick up my food, and I wouldn't have been able to do that without Elise. And she was a trooper through the whole thing, and we perfected some things, and we figured out some things that just weren't working. But hands down, without Elise, this would not have been a successful resupply adventure in resupplying. Um, so, Elise, thank you so much. You were the one who really dealt with a lot of the headaches, unfortunately, but uh, I would not have been able to do it without you, and I truly appreciate all of your help. So, besides Elise helping me out, before I got on trail, there were several companies and an outfitter that really helped me to save money, and I'm not a numbers guy. I don't diligently keep track of all of my expenses, but I can tell you that I saved money on this hike, and I'll kind of get into it a little bit later, um, but just know that the way that I did this, I was able to save money, and the number one way that I saved money was there's an outfitter in Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania, immediately adjacent to the Appalachian Trail, just north of the halfway point, called TCO Outfitters, or TCO Boiling Springs, and it's a fly shop, kind of a small chain, it's you know family-run business, but they have three locations or four in Pennsylvania, but the main one is TCO Boiling Springs that I worked with. And what I did was uh, I was able to purchase Alpine Air brand backpacking meals. So these were freeze-dried, dehydrated meals, prepackaged, and I bought them by the case, and they saved me a ton of money. I had, I think, 12 cases of Alpine Air meals. Most of them were dinners. But there was also some desserts, which were a nice treat, and some breakfast that were like 780 calories for a breakfast, which is an awesome way to start your day. But they saved me a ton of money. I'm talking hundreds of dollars, and I spent several hundreds of dollars buying the, the, them by the case. So TCO Boiling Springs was a huge, huge help, and I really appreciate them helping me out. Um, another company that sent me some products for free was Onnit Labs, and they're not really, they don't do food. Now they're getting into some bars and some jerky, which are really good, but Onnit Labs is a supplement or fitness company, and they sent me some of the supplements that I was using on trail. Um, they, at the time, it was the Total Primate Care. And the Total Primate Care was a, a day packet and a night packet of supplements, things like krill oil and key minerals, things like that. And they were divided up into two packets. And it was like a complete system, so I didn't have to do what I was doing previously. And I would buy supplement by the bottle and use the supplements by... Uh, dividing them up into these little packets. So on at Labs, uh, I got hooked up with them, and they sent me uh, my supplements on trail, which were a huge help, and they helped me to recover at night. They helped me to sleep better. Um, I felt so much better coming home from the PCT than I did the AT, part of which was eating, but another big part of it was that I was using the on at Labs supplements to uh, help recover and sleep and all of those things. They were a huge asset, and I really appreciate Onnit Labs uh, sending me those products. They were fantastic. There's a couple companies that had uh, on this this hike, and my, uh, most of my hikes, I'm, I'm big on snacks. So aside from having the, the meals that were sent that I purchased ahead of time whenever Elise was sending them to me, 
Um, I had a whole bunch of snack companies that I reached out to, and some of them helped me by either sending me gift cards for their store or they would send me coupon codes for you know, somewhere between 20 and 40% off of their products, which was phenomenal, 40% off of a product that um, is their retail. And in some of these stores in California, you were paying more for uh, this, these products in the stores than you would on their website. So uh, companies like Steve's Paleo Goods, I ate a ton of Steve's Paleo Goods, the jerky, and they also have a Paleo Crunch Bar, which was a really good way to put some variety into my diet. Uh, you'll t- I'll talk about variety a little bit later, but Steve's Paleo Goods has some awesome products that I used from Mexico to California at various times. Uh, Pro Bar is a huge advocate of outdoor recreation and snacks for people who are outdoors and actively involved in hiking or biking or whatever those things would be. Uh, Pro Bar is kind of a go-to name, and I can tell you that I probably averaged five to six Pro Bars of different forms. They have meals, and they have fuel bars, and the Bolt Energy Chews. There's different products that they offer, but I was able to get a really good discount on the Pro Bar, and I'm certain that I saved hundreds of dollars also on Pro Bar with the discount code that I was using just by reaching out to them. So I have to thank Pro Bar as well. A couple other companies, uh, F-Bomb, they make uh, ketogenic-style nut butter packets, and I would use them to mix in with my daily snacks. Um, they're really high in fat, so the one, that I, one of them that I was really uh, a big fan of was like 265 calories, 240 or something like that, of coming from fat, just pure energy. It was uh, a great way I could just, you know, they're, since they're individual packets, I could just open those up, Pop one in my mouth. It's like a, a squirt. It's like a, uh, a basically a nut butter packet, and you just squeeze it into your mouth. Or you can put them on top of other products. Uh, I know Honey Stinger, another company that really helped me out. There's some folks that'll put the f bombs on top of Honey Stinger waffles. Uh, Honey Stinger makes a great little product with their Honey Stinger waffles, and I, I was a big fan of the chocolate and the strawberry. But they have a variety of things, and then I started to to get into some of their energy chews towards towards the end of my hike. The last two companies that I, I really have to thank are ExoProtein. They make a cricket bar, cricket flour protein bar that uh, they have some really good bars. Uh, there's a blueberry flavor, there's a peanut butter and jelly, and uh, an apples and cinnamon that's that's really good. So ExoProtein cricket flour bar, cr- cricket, cricket flour protein bars, that's a mouthful. Cricket flour protein bars are really good, and I highly recommend them. The last company that really helped me was Scout Backcountry. And the main thing that I did with Scout was I purchased their pumpkin seeds. And they have, they're an organic, organic Oregon-based pumpkin seed company, but they also got into some trail bars and things like that. Um, and I was able to purchase those at, you know, once again, a really big discount. Um, so Scout Backcountry was a huge help, and I really appreciate it. So all those companies and Elise are really how I was able to make this uh, economical and even possible. So uh, the first thing that I would do if I, if I was to do this again is I would start to reach out to companies and offer, ask them if they offer any thru-hiker or bulk discounts. And give them something back. You know, start with, hey, this is what I can do for you, or this is what I'm doing, and this is what I can do for you. Do you offer any similar programs for 
for uh, people who are willing to buy in bulk because everything was, was purchased in bulk. There's some other products that I'll get into that I was buying in bulk, but really I was either buying them from, you know, Walmart is a good place to get some of these products, um, and then Amazon. I would just watch the prices on things, and whenever the price would drop, then I would buy it in bulk, and we would store it in the basement. Before I left for the PCT, the basement looked like a hiker's warehouse of food. So I had everything laid out with my dinners and breakfasts and the desserts from Alpine Air. They were laid out in the box, in the case boxes that were opened, and Elise would just kind of rotate through those. Then I had shelves where I would place all of my bars, and I had, you know, um, I had my pro bars, all the different varieties of pro bars. Then next I had um, the F-bombs, and then I would have the, some of the other products. And it was just like a store where she would be able to walk down and see the list that I gave her and pull all those things out. So it was pretty organized for the limited amount of space that we were we were able to um, corner off for my resupply boxes. It was a, a pretty good system in that regard. But some of the other products that uh, I used a lot were I ate Cheez-Its. And it was, you know, cheese is something that I was always craving on trail, but I didn't like to carry cheese because it would get oily or I would just kind of get tired of it uh, before it would kind of melt in my backpack. So I'm a big fan of Cheez-Its in real life, and on the trail, that's no different. I always wanted to have something sweet in my backpack. Sometimes that was Salazon chocolate bars, or I would use Haribo gummy bears or the gummy Coke bottles. And I only bought the small packets because if I would have that small little packet that was maybe an ounce or an ounce and a half, I wasn't just dumping a bunch of sugar into my body all day, every day. Um, it was a lot less unhealthy, I would say. It wasn't healthy, but I got that fix of the sugar, uh, the sweetness. So um, I ate a lot of paydays. There was Epic brand. They make really good, um, really good jerky. And I ate a ton of Epic brand jerky, either the strips or the bites you name it in their in their web store i've had all of it uh, while i was on trail i was also pretty big on jiff peanut butter and there's a smaller container that you can get that is jiff cinnamon which is my absolute favorite it wasn't a lot to carry i wasn't carrying a 16 ounce jar of peanut butter for two days and then i would get to town uh, since the jar was smaller um, I could have one put in about every other resupply box, so I wasn't eating peanut butter all day every day, but it was a great way to get some extra calories, and it didn't take a lot of space up in my backpack, which was really important because I had a pretty small backpack, and I had some things in there that uh, took up some space in my backpack that other people probably weren't carrying, but having some food that I could think about, well, this doesn't take up a lot of space for calories, this is a good product to have in there. Um, I, just, I really get tired of drinking water on trail. A lot of people are f totally fine with just drinking water after they filter it, but that's just not for me. I don't drink a lot of water whenever I'm at home. I need some flavor in it, and I drank tons and tons of Propel Gatorade, like the little Gatorade packets. Uh, they were all individual size, and I would have at least put those in my resupply boxes. So Propel, there was a Jolly Rancher one, the crushed strawberry or the A&W root beer. Anything to get that flavor into the water so I wasn't just drinking straight water. And even though the, the packages always recommend that you do like a 16-ounce bottle, you add one packet to. 
I found that that was just way too strong for my taste buds. And I would do a full liter to one packet of the drink mix. And there were some people that hadn't even thought of putting drink mixes in their packet, in their, um, in their water bottles. And they were able to, you know, pick that up on trail because they hadn't heard of them. So I highly recommend that. And it's also a good way to get your electrolytes. I was drinking a lot of the Propel in the desert. The Gatorade that you can buy in the bit in, in bulk, essentially the powdered Gatorade, you have to carry so much of it. It's not really worth carrying or buying. It's just carry, you have to carry too much of that powder. So if you can get the Propel packets or anything with electrolytes, Jelly Belly makes um, the sport beans. And I carry Jelly Belly sport beans, which a lot of people hadn't seen previously. And that was a good way for me to get a little bit of caffeine and also, more importantly, my electrolytes. Because the first 700 miles of the, the PCT are in the desert. And in the desert, you're sweating and you've got to replenish your electrolytes. So um, I did eat a few Cliff Bars, some Primal Kitchen, and then there was a car brand trail mix packet that's like 270 calories. But for the most part, all of those product, all those companies, all the products that I just went over, that's what I ate for about four and a half months straight. I had some variety, not as much as I would have liked, but my relationship with food has changed since becoming a thru-hiker. I don't need to be totally satisfied with the choices that I'm making if I'm hiking all day. And it's very rare that I'll not eat something in my backpack because it's all I've got. This is the food that I have to get me to the next town. So I just kind of accept the reality and I didn't worry about it too much. Um, Pre-hike. All right, so whenever it comes to my pre-hike setup, I reached out to these companies that I, I mentioned before. I set up the, the store in, in the basement of our house. There was a couple other things that I did to help make sure this went a little bit more smoothly for me, but mostly I was trying to make it smoother for Elise because this was a, an added chore to her day or a couple times a week she would have to go and send me my boxes. So. I tried to do everything that I could that I could think of ahead of time. Now, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. looking back. So now that we've done this once, we've got a better system, and hopefully some of the things that I would change you would, you know, be able to do whenever you do your first through-hike or your second. So pre-hike, if you go to usps.com or gov or whatever it is, the post office's website, you can actually have them ship you for free priority shipping boxes. And you can only use them for priority shipping. You can't take them to UPS, but they're free. So I still have a ton of boxes, and I'm going to actually take them to the post office and drop them off and just say, hey, guys, you can have these. Have these back. I didn't need them. I went with the priority shipping flat rate, um, the medium size, which I could fit three to four days of food in. Um, Towards the end, it was more like three because I was eating so much. But for $13.65, Elise could fill that box up and ship it to me in two days from the East Coast all the way out to the West Coast. And it would arrive on the second day. It was incredible how quick uh, and I'm going to say efficient the post office really is. So I bought the, the media, or I had them ship me the medium sized priority flat rate boxes. And then I also had them send me the large, which most of my resupplies were the large size, which costs $18.90. So for $19, so call it $20, she could ship four to five, maybe six days of food from the East Coast to the West Coast, 
and I would also have tracking on it. So for $20, I could eat for five days. Now, if you think about, wow, you're doing you know 20 resupplies, this is a lot of money, and it really starts to add up. But as I mentioned previously, with the Alpine Air meals and with ProBar, I probably saved $600 between those two by buying in bulk or using a pro deal, something like that. By reaching out to those companies, I was able to preemptively strike all my money spent, and I saved money, and I had better food than if I would go to the store because I wouldn't make good choices. And it was harder for me to go to the store in town and resupply and make good choices than if I just kind of quartered myself into doing resupply boxes. Um, so aside from doing or purchasing ahead of time those boxes, I got some labels so you could put labels on them. I wish I had filled out the labels ahead of time, but that was kind of a hindsight thing. I also purchased a one quart and the one gallon Ziploc storage or Ziploc brand freezer bags. The reason that I went with the freezer bags is I don't cook my food in my pot. With all these hiker meals, I'm essentially just boiling my water, taking the water and pouring the water into the freezer bag, which I've transferred my Alpine Air meals from. I put them into the freezer bag because it takes up less space in my backpack. And then I'll put that Ziploc bag with the food and the boiling water into my Vargo bot, and then I'll close the lid and let it soak. So I'm not really making my pot dirty, my bot, uh, the Vargo titanium bot that I carried, the 700 milliliter. I'm not making it dirty. The only thing I'm putting in it is water to boil and then a Ziploc bag with my food and the water in it, and then I would eat out of the Ziploc bag. So every time I had Elise send me my resupply, I would have four dinners and four, four Ziploc quart bags. The one-gallon bag would be to divide my food up by the day. So instead of having you know 25 Cliff Bars or 25 Pro Bars, I would have five cliff bars per day. They would be divided up into gallon bags because I, I know that for me it's more difficult to have a whole bunch of food than to have the food divided out per day. So if I divide my food out per day, I'm a lot less likely to run out of food, which did happen on occasion, but that was because I was cutting it a little bit too thin trying to shave some weight, and I ended up going a little bit hungry at times. But those one-gallon bags, if you stick to that system, whenever I strayed from it, that's whenever I ran out of food. So, um, One thing that will help you to pick up your boxes more smoothly, and by this I mean to have the person who's responsible for getting it at either at the post office or at the hostel, you want to make your boxes stick out some way. So the way that I did it was I would get, I purchased ahead of time some Dr. Seuss stickers. And it was just, I went online, went to Amazon, got some stickers, and I put them on the outside of the boxes, and then I left extra stickers here for Elise in case she would need to uh, build up some more boxes. So I, I taped the bottom of the boxes, and I put stickers on the outside um, to help the person at the post office or whoever it was to find my box as efficiently as possible. One thing that I, I also did was I said that I built the boxes a little bit before um, before I left was uh, I had some packing tape there. I also bought a wall map of the PCT for Elise. So there's National Geographic. I think it's like 9 or $10 on Amazon. But it would help her to be able to have a visual representation of where I was at on the trail, and she could keep track and put dates of where I would be and what the pack – or where I would be on what date, so what town. 
and it kind of gave her an idea of how quickly I was moving and if she was getting the packages out one time. So each time I would get to town, I would say, hey, this is what time I'll be to the next town. The way that we were able to communicate what food I needed, where it needed to go to, and when it needed to be there by was since we both have Apple iPhones, I set up an, uh, a reminders list. So if you just you know search for a reminders list, you can share that back and forth. So what I would do is I would add you know how many days of resupply it would be, and then it would say four dinners with Ziploc bags, two breakfasts with Ziploc bags, and then I would lay out the snacks that I needed, and I would give her the grand total of things. And then whenever I would update that, I would add, this is the day that I'm going to be at this location. So it would be you know, the, the day and the month and the exact location or the shipping address that she would need. Then I would say, hey, I updated the list. This is where my packages need to be, and this is what you need to send it out. So um, that was a pretty good system for us. It wasn't perfect, but it worked out pretty well. There's some things we're going to do to tweak it up. So I kind of got into what I was doing during my hike now. During my hike, my job was essentially to calculate where I was at compared to the next town that I would be in or the town after that. And then how long it would take me, and I would figure out how much food that I needed to get from one town to the next. Because all through hiking is, is day hiking, day hiking, day hiking, and then you're at the next town. If you think about it in these smaller chunks instead of Mexico to Canada, you know, it's essentially a series of, or overnight hikes really. Uh, just look at those little sections and you can kind of take off. It's easier to take smaller chunks day, a couple days at a time than to think of it in, in the big broad uh, the broad scale of Mexico to Canada. So once I would figure out how many miles it was between towns, I would figure out how many miles I was going to average, you know, 25, 30, 35 to get from one town to the next. And then I would look at the calendar and just plan everything out. Um, one thing, because I was using the post office, uh, I had to take Saturdays, Sundays, and holidays into consideration for not only her shipping them out, but also for me picking them up. And it seemed like there was a few times where I didn't, I didn't plan far enough ahead to give her enough time to adequately put the box together and get to the post office and not be stressful for her. She would kind of keep an inventory where, where um, each product stood. So if I was running low on a certain kind of pro bar, a certain flavor of drink mix, she would let me know, hey, we're running low on this, and then either she would pick it up or I would have it purchased online using one of my, my discount codes, and then I would have it sent to the house, and then she would you know, let me know that those products were there. It was kind of like an inventory that she, we would just keep loosely. Uh, whenever she would drop off my packages to the post office, there was only every, all of these packages, 25 maybe, 20 to 25 I think it was, they went out priority mail, the only one that did not go priority was a UPS package to Shelter Cove, and it ended up, I waited too long to let her know. I shouldn't have rushed, um, and I got kind of complacent by using the post office, and the package ended up costing a lot more money than the food that was inside it. And I could have just resupplied, but um, it was a lesson that I learned, uh, unfortunately. But... Um, she would take a picture of the receipt and send me a picture of the receipt, and that receipt would have the anticipated date of delivery, 
and then also the tracking information because there was a lot of times where I would get to town and they would just say, okay, where's your tracking number? It's really important to have that tracking number. It's not necessary, but whenever you need it, you absolutely have to have it because the post office is not a perfect system. So um, whenever I got to Mammoth, they told me that my package was not there, and I knew – I said it should have been here two days ago, and they are like, it's not here. They went in the back and looked for my name. Whenever the, po- the boxes get to the post office, typically what the, the receiving post office will do is – They'll write your last name, the last name of the receiver or the recipient on the outside of the package just to help them to look faster. That's kind of like the sticker system that I used. They would do something to help themselves and just write the last name on the outside. And whenever I got to Mammoth, I got there on a Friday. They're not open on Saturday, but they do allow you to pick up packages on Saturday if you go and, like, knock on the door. So what had happened was... She told me that the package wasn't there, and I argued that it was, and um, I, she told me to wait and check the tracking information online because she couldn't check it on her computer, which I, I witnessed it wasn't working. So um, I went out into the lobby, checked my tracking information on my phone, and it said that it had arrived the day that it was supposed to. So I went back up to the post office instead, or back up to the counter after standing in line for like a third time that day. And here, they made the mistake of putting Elise's last name on it instead of mine. And at this time, she, you know, we're not married yet, so we have different last names. So they put hers on it and not mine. They're not the same, and they screwed up. And if I hadn't had my tracking information, it would have been really difficult to find it. They, you know, the, the people at the post office will put uh, a C-plus level effort into it the majority of time searching for your box because they get hundreds, thousands maybe of boxes, and it's, it's a burden on them. So I was always trying to be as polite as possible whenever I got there. But if you have that tracking information, it's really important that you have it. All you have to do is take a picture of the receipt and get it sent to you. Um, wire on trail. And that worked both ways. If I was sending something home to Elise because I had to do that a few times, I knew that it got there or that it didn't get there. A couple things that I would do differently, uh, some of them I have mentioned, but Elise had a lot of issues with the post office. Now, right now, we live outside of Baltimore. We have kind of a larger post office near our house, and I think there's typically four counters or four registers, and two to four of them are open at any given time, but there's not that many folks that work the counter, so maybe five different people work the counter And it was difficult for her to get my boxes sent out because whenever you're sending a lot of these boxes, it's going to general delivery. So it would say, Dylan Tonkin, care of, general delivery, you know, Baltimore, Maryland, zip code. And that's all that it would be addressed to. And whenever it would get to the post office of the zip code, they would know general delivery means hold it for this person. Not all post offices offer that. The larger post offices absolutely don't. They're not a holding station. They need an address to get packages out of their door so they can get the next day's packages in. So people at the post office weren't familiar with how the general delivery with the post office actually works or what it is. So if I was to do this again, which, um, you know, possibility, if I was going to have her do it with the counter system, I would speak with the postmaster and say, look, this is what we're doing. I need to know the best way for my fiancé to communicate to your employee how they can best do their job. 
and I would either create some sort of a cheat sheet or ask the postmaster to do some training, which I would assume is not very likely to happen. But I would have to do my best to make sure that it was easier for a lease. Aside from going to the physical post office, I would probably have myself set up a stamps.com account, get the scale, use the priority shipping once again. It's very simple. She wouldn't have to deal with the people at the post office, and we would do some practice with a few boxes ahead of time to make sure that we have it down pat to where it would be easiest for her. The other thing that I've done successfully uh, using some of the tips that Elise gave me for getting navigating the intricacies of the counter at the post office. There were some things that people were doing that she picked up on that made it easier for them to print the labels. Whenever it comes to your labels, all you really need if you're doing this general delivery, you need to have the tracking information and a barcode from them that sends the package to the town and the zip code. Because it's general delivery, you don't have to have the street address, you don't have to have the house number. You just have to have the town and the zip code. So at our post office, there's a self-service kiosk, which I used four times now to send out priority shipping to friends that were still hiking after I got home. And I used some of the tips and tricks that Elise used, and it helped me. So you can use the kiosks. Um, I would definitely try to practice doing that if you're teaching somebody. It can be a little bit intimidating. So if you can use the kiosks. Otherwise, stamps.com, last resort, the counter at the post office is um, a really a last resort. But hopefully I could have a cheat sheet developed for Elise by that time to where she would be like, look, we've done this three times this week. This is what you got to put in the computer. I'm trying to get in and out of here as efficiently as possible. Let me help you help me. Uh, a couple other things I would do is I would update my reminders list. Remember, we had that shared list that we were using. I would update that list a lot sooner. So I would get to a town. I would text. I would update my list, text Elise and say, hey, I updated the list. Well, then I have two, three, or four days to get to that town, but Elise only has 12 or 24, maybe 48 hours to build that box, make the time to build the box, put all the things in it, make sure it's right, then leave and go to the post office and drop it off. So I really was doing a very poor job of keeping ahead of myself so that I could keep ahead of her. So I would have to do a better job of knowing two towns ahead of time what food I needed and where it was going to go to. I, that was on me, and I, I did put her in some pretty tight spots sometimes. You know, she was at home doing her own things between work and family and traveling and vacations. She's a busy woman, and I, I need to do a better job. So I would recommend if you can stay two towns ahead of where you're at, that's the best way to do it, to give the person at home who's going above and beyond to make sure that you have your food. Give them enough time to where it's not a total burden and something that she does, they don't want to do. Um, if there was some sort of app that I could use to track my inventory in the basement, so it was one less thing for a lease to keep track of and then text me and then I would have to buy more food, if I could just 
say, all right, I took out four pro bars, and I know I only had six pro bars in there. That means I'm getting low. So by the time my next resupply box comes out, I'm going to be out of pro bars. If I could somehow have an app that tracked that or if I was a better accountant, I would enjoy that, and it would be a lot less stress for a lease, and it would just automatically update. I would also have more variety and less numbers. I got kind of tired of some of the pro bars. They have some super fruit, like super fruit greens and a lot of these things. I just, whenever you're eating so many a day for 100, 120, 135 days, towards the end, once I hit Washington, I was really getting tired of some of my variety, which is very far. That's, I could have hiked the entire AT on this resupply system and really not been tired of my resupply boxes. I don't recommend doing resupply boxes on the AT. The towns are too close. The trail culture in the towns, they're so accepting and prepared for hikers. Unless you have some sort of strict time constraint or a very strict diet that you're on, I don't see any reason to do resupply boxes unless your food is free. Discounts are nice, but discounts and time for people at home, I definitely don't recommend doing resupply boxes on the AT. So, um, But anyway, if I had a little bit more variety, I feel like that would have helped me enjoy my food a little bit more. Even though I don't really have that much of a relationship with food, it's calories, it's fuel for my body, it's not fuel for my mind really. But um, having a nice hot meal at the end of the day, at the end of each day, was definitely a fuel for my mind also. It helped me to feel like a human being whenever I was going without a shower for two weeks. So, um, If there was a way that I could uh, pre-write the shipping labels with the locations ahead of time on 2,500 miles of hiking, that's really difficult to know which towns you're going to go to. And I don't recommend, unless you're on a really strict time constraint, doing that. I know that Jupiter had all of his boxes sent out ahead of time or planned ahead of time and packaged. I couldn't do that. I just didn't want to get that numbers involved. And it really structures your hike a lot more than I would like to have my hike structured. You're going to meet people out there. You're going to have weather to deal with, gear to deal with. And if you're going to say, oh, I have to go to this town because I have to get my food. But then in two towns, there's an outfitter. It's just too much planning ahead. Um, I'm not interested in that. And... I don't recommend it, but if there was some way that I could print out shipping labels with locations ahead of time, even if I printed out every possible location in 2,500 miles or every possible post office, it would just be one less burden for a lease. And that's really what my biggest thing was, is try to minimize the burden of, of doing this for her. I would also get bigger stickers. It seems kind of silly, but the stickers that we were using at, at, towards the end, we were getting low on the bigger stickers, so they didn't stick out as much. But there's other things that you could do. You spray paint and spray paint the outside of your box, blaze orange or bright pink or blue. Um, put duct tape on them. I saw a lot of people using some pretty colorful duct tape that, that to package up their boxes, and I think that that definitely helped. But I would just use some larger stickers than the ones that, that we had. Aside from that, if you could print out a large label, um, even just like on a, um, a label maker sheet that you print on your, on your computer, and just put your last name on it, cut them out, put them on the sides of the boxes, put them on all four sides, just has your last name in bright colors or letters, it'll help to get your package a little bit, a little bit faster, has a little bit less headache, and the po people at the post office definitely appreciate it. I would also reach out to more companies. 
you know, I talked earlier about the variety of snacks. While I was on trail, there were some snacks that I had had heard about that I hadn't tried that once I was getting tired of mine, I would switch with my friends and say, hey, I'll give you a pro bar for something that cost a dollar because I was so sick of eating that pro bar. And I would switch with my friends. And there were some some snacks, uh, uh, some manufacturers that I would definitely consider reaching out to just to create a little bit more variety. Uh, It might make it harder to pack or to select what's going to go in my box, but that variety would definitely go uh, a long way. The last thing that I would really change is I would send less of my boxes to post offices. So I said that they have the general delivery. This is a really good feature because all you do is walk in and give them your name. But post offices have really bad hours. Their hours are terrible. Their people aren't always the friendliest. Some of the people at the post office were absolutely so friendly they were beyond their they were above the level of a postal worker. They were just so nice. But a lot of them were kind of grumpy and disgruntled. Their hours are not that good. Many of them aren't open on Saturdays. None of them are open on Sundays. There aren't any self-service kiosks in some of these one, some of these smaller post offices if you have to send something home. I would try to send to more hostels. If I could send to a hostel or a trail angel or a business that's a better system, in my opinion, because their hours are better. If you can get to where you're sending it to more places than just post offices, like I was mainly post office, and it was honestly because I was lazy. If I would have worked a little bit harder, I could have saved myself the headache of not dealing with the post office as much as I did. There were times where I had to get to post offices, and uh, I know getting into Old Station in Northern California I had to leave at 6 a.m., and I had to do, like, 32 miles by 2 or 3 o'clock. I think it was by 3 o'clock, and I was flying, and I just ran through this section from 6 a.m. until 2.15 whenever I got there, and I was averaging, like, 4 miles an hour or something because I just didn't have time to stop, and I had to get to the post office. So keep that in mind whenever you're selecting the locations. Everybody says it. But I feel like I fell right into the same trap of how easy it was. So make sure that your post offices or your boxes aren't all going to post offices. Another thing to do is double check your locations that the the post office, the name, the address, and the zip code, all that stuff is right. There's a lot of different places out on the internet to find this information. Please double check it. There was a few times that Elise and I got into like a little bit, ah, we were in a little bit of a pinch because the address that I had found on either my gut hook or pctresupply.com, one of those, or post, I think post hall, there's a bunch of different places, but the address was wrong. So she was at the post office, and, it, and if she wouldn't have sorted it out because I was in airplane mode or didn't have any signal, I wouldn't have been able to get my food, or she would have had to overnight it whenever I got signal. It would have been a disaster. So double check and make sure that you're... Um, Make sure that your addresses are correct whenever you um, send it out. But really, that's the only major things that I would change whenever it comes to uh, doing things differently. Overall, I was really happy with doing the resupply boxes, like I said previously. I ate so much better. I felt so much better. It also gave uh, um, Elise and I the opportunity to kind of work together on this. And we were apart for... Two and a half months at a time and then two and a half months or whatever it was. But um, it kept us a little bit closer, even though it did create some friction. 
But it kept that line of communication open because I know it's really hard for a hiker to make sure that they're checking in with their loved ones back home, that love them and miss them. Even though you you love and miss the person back home, you get so focused on the miles and the people you're surrounded with and the towns and the, the adventure of it, it's hard to look back and say, hey, I have to keep in contact with my loved one. Even though I love and miss them, it's hard to keep in contact. It's, it's hard. Um, so this is one way that I knew it would help Elise and I to maintain uh, constant communication, which I think it worked out pretty well overall. Um, it also let her know where, she, where I was at. A lot of times hikers just get a text from home. Oh, wh- where are you at? What town? And that just gets really old, and you kind of just, oh, I don't want to answer that text because all they want to know is where I'm at. I didn't have to do that with Elise. Uh, she always knew right where I was. She knew, okay, he's going to be at this town on this day, and this is where he's at right now. Um, and I think that it helped her to have that peace of mind, knowing where I was, knowing that she was helping me. Uh, I think that it really helped her to feel like she was – part of the reason this this hike was was successful so another thing that really helped to motivate me was she would put little notes and little cards and like special candy or special you know bars inside my packages so i always had something that i was looking forward to and if you're sending a package out to a loved one or someone on trail put a little note it it doesn't cost much it can be a a piece of chicken scratch on a paper but those notes, that sentimental value is incredible on trail. You know, you can't see your loved one and you can't touch them. The best thing that you can do is just write them a little note. Say you're proud of them, you love them, or give them an update on what you're doing or, or have somebody, if you're the one that's receiving them, say, hey, can you just, like, throw a little card in there or something? Uh, I had a friend who reached out several times. He actually reached out throughout the whole trail. And he wanted to send me a package in the worst way, but I had all this food and I didn't need it. And I told him the biggest thing that you can do is just text me and ask me how I'm doing or or what's exciting today and tell me about your day. That communication from back home is really, really meaningful, especially if somebody's having a bad day. There was bad days that I was having and I would get a text from Elise and a picture or, you know, we would do the sign language, I love you photo, the selfie, I don't like selfies, I don't take them. But... I must have sent her a hundred selfies of just the sign language, I love you. And it was simple. But she sent it to me, and it was so meaningful. Like, hey, there's her face. Or she would put these little cards in my, in my resupply boxes. It was really, really good. Those mean a lot. I actually carried every single card that she sent me from Mexico to Canada. I carried them the whole way. And I got a cute little picture with them at the at tournament. So those notes and cards definitely helped me in a small way for her to help me in a big way um, to keep a positive attitude and remember, you know, how much she cared about me. Those cards are awesome. Uh, there's less temptation for junk food. I was a junk food king on the PC, on the AT. Gummy bears, honey buns, ramen noodles. I did not eat a single ramen noodle before I hit the Canadian border on the PCT. Um, I ate a lot healthier. I, I didn't have that desire to go to town and just eat junk food. I'm not saying I didn't eat a lot of uh, ice cream on the PCT. I certainly did, but the food that I was getting from one town to another was definitely a lot healthier. Whenever I would get to town, one of the first things I would buy would be a big salad mix. I would get try to get those, some vegetables in me and some greens, something fresh. Um, but I had less temptation for junk food because I was doing the resupply boxes. It also gave me more time to relax whenever I was in town. 
So there were several times where I had friends who were building all their boxes for Washington or for Canada, or I'm sorry, for Washington or Oregon, and I could just hang out and take pictures or you know text back home or edit my photos or post to Instagram because I wasn't worried about rushing around the grocery store because I only had so much time so that I could get all my boxes together and put them in, take them to the post office, or I had to get my food to get to the next town, but it was a limited resupply because I was the only place to get food was a gas station. I had a lot more time to relax while I was in town because Elise was putting the work in for me back home. Uh, the only other big thing I would say, like I said previously, was the post offices. I would really focus on sending more packages to hostels, hotels, motels, outfitters, general stores, anybody with better hours than a post office. That's what I would start to focus on. Should I do P, uh, resupply boxes again? Post office hours aren't that good. Their employees are not the friendliest, and it's just a difficult system to to navigate when you're picking up your box if you're on a limited time schedule. So um, that's pretty much how I would do things, pre-hike, post-hike, during hike, what I would do differently. That's everything I can think of in a nutshell about doing resupply boxes for the PCT. For the AT, you can do them. Many people were successful. If you're getting food for free, if you have loved ones back home that are willing to send you food, uh, that's another way that you could do it is do like a mini sponsorship. Like, okay, this part of the family is going to sponsor the next four town, or next four days from one town to the next. Then this friend is going to sponsor the next ones. That's a great way to save money. And I know some folks that did that. It was pretty successful. But all of this would not have been successful without Elise. So once again, I have to thank her for her uh, such little complaints uh, that she gave me. And I know that I gave her a couple gray hairs, maybe a lot of gray hairs. I don't know. Um, but without her making this happen, I wouldn't be able to help you to get a better head start on doing PCT or AT resupply boxes. So, Elise, thank you again. I also have to thank, once again, TCO Boiling Springs, Onnit Labs, ProBar, Steve's Paleo Goods, F-Bomb, Exo Protein, Scout Backcountry, and, of course, Honey Stinger. Those companies helped me to save money. They helped me to stay healthy. They helped me to stay fueled and feel so good about my hike. And then also coming home, whenever I got home from the PCT, I felt like I was in some of the best shape of my life. I didn't have the, the soreness or that I wasn't tired or beaten down or I didn't look like I was so emaciated. Uh, even though I did lose some weight, it was healthy weight to lose and I felt fantastic. And I, I know part of that physically and mentally was the food and the supplements and, of course, uh, all the help that I got from Elise. I hope that this podcast was helpful for you. I know that I learned so much by doing resupply boxes on the PCT that I had to help somebody else. This is a great system, and I highly recommend it. Um, if this is something you're interested in or if you have some tips or tricks, please feel free to reach out. You can find me on Instagram at, at DSTonkin. You can send me whatever you need. Questions-wise, suggestions, pros, cons, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, I really want to help folks to have a more enjoyable through hike and this is one way that I think that you can have a more enjoyable through hike.
Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. I have done two long trails. One, the Appalachian Trail, I did whenever I was resupplying in town. And whenever I decided to do resupply boxes for the PCT, it was really, really overwhelming. So hopefully this helps you to decide if you should do resupply boxes or buying in town works better for you. I would say either trail you could get away with doing 95% purchase in town, but it just kind of added another layer of interest or difficulty sometimes. But I think that overall, I really am happy that I did the resupply boxes for a couple of reasons. But the biggest thing was it was just really overwhelming to begin with. And I'm just trying to give you some of the information that I figured out more than likely the hard way um, to help me be a little bit more successful. I know that should I do another long distance trail, most likely I would do resupply boxes again, but I would do everything in my power to make it a lot more friendly or easier for Elise um, to send me the boxes, even though she already did tell me that she didn't want to do them. But I think that if if we put some of these practices in place, I set up some of this, you know, the processes and the, you know, talking to the the um, the postmaster, whatever I have to do to make it easier for her, is is definitely going to help. So hopefully this helps you. It's not for everybody, but I highly recommend it. I know that if I didn't do resupply boxes, more than likely I probably would have been stuck eating gummy bears and honey buns again, like I did on the AT, but. Physically, whenever I got home from the PCT, I felt the best I had felt in so long. Um, it was it was such a different feeling than than whenever I came home from the AT. So, hopefully, you got something out of it. More than likely, I think that you could have got a lot out of it. If I would have had something like this to go off of before I did the PCT, I would have definitely had a lot less stress, and we would have been a lot more successful. So, on the next episode. I actually get to sit down with one of my good friends that I met on the PCT. His name's John Brennan, and he goes by the name Stash, Johnny Stash, Turbo Stash. But I sat down with, with Stash uh, at the, the uh, conclusion of his long trail through hike. So he did the PCT, immediately went to Vermont, walked from Canada to Massachusetts on the long trail, completed that. And I caught up with him on his way back down home to see his family, who he hadn't even seen yet since he got done with uh, the PCT. So hopefully uh, you enjoy that one as much as I did. It's been really, really good for me personally, you know, morally or not morally, but like emotionally to sit down with through hikers after the trail. You know, post-trail depression is definitely a thing and I've really struggled with it, but doing the podcast and specifically sitting down with all these great people. They just, they fill up my cup, man. They make me feel so good. So that's definitely uh, a really, really good episode. I, I highly recommend that you check it out. Thanks everybody. Have a good day.